again week seven of our series on Hebrews. And so if you would, open your Bible today to Hebrews chapters two and three. And we're walking through this ideal today. And again, because this is the last Sunday of this series for a while, we're pushing pause on this. I want to leave you with a place where the writer of Hebrews kind of makes a break for the rest of the book. And he really kind of summarizes where the book is and where it's going in this moment. It's a very, very important moment. And so I'm excited for this. And so while you turn today, though, I want to share a story. It's a real story. It's happening in the news right or recently. It's happened in the news. It gets to start back in 2009. In two, June of 2009, a young man, a private, Bo Bergdahl, left his post in, in, in Afghanistan. He left all of his stuff just sitting in a pile. He left his, his, his cohorts, his army, army cohorts. He left his job. He left everything. And he just wandered out of the, of the camp and wandered off into the Afghanistan wilderness. Now, I'm not an army guy. I don't have to be to know that's not, that's frowned upon, right? Like, let's be honest. That's the, they don't like that when you do that kind of stuff. That's what Bo did. He wandered off into the Afghanistan wilderness. About two or three hours later, at about two or three in the morning, Bo was picked up uh, by some Taliban operatives on motorcycles, it's a true story. So they picked him up and they brought him someplace and, and, for the, and they, they turned him over to some hacky, I believe it's called hacky forces, H-A-Q-Q-U-I. And, and so they turned him over to these guys and they tortured him for the next several years. Bo was, was tortured, beaten severely and, and, and such. And then in 2014, you may remember this, this was all the news, 2014, a very controversial thing happens where President Obama went down and, and was going to exchange Bo for some, he wanted to get him out. And so some U.S. special forces went and they did an exchange for Bo and they turned over five Taliban operatives back. They released them in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and they got back Bo Bergdahl. Now, if you know the story, you probably have an opinion on it. If you don't know the story, there are two opinions on Bo Bergdahl. One is that Bo is a hero. And a lot of people believe that he's a hero because, because the reason he left his post in the army was because he was disenfranchised with the army. And he was being treated unfairly and if you were in the army at one time, you say, oh, boo-hoo, you know. That, that's what he's saying. He was being treated unfairly. He no longer believed in his cause. He wouldn't believe in what was happening anymore. And so he just left. And there are people in our country and out around the world who believe that Bo Bergdahl is a hero. Now, there's also many others that do not believe that Bo is a, is a hero. Whether, whether you're disenfranchised or whatever you are, if you leave your post in the army, that's bad. You don't do that. And so it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how you feel or how you don't feel. You don't leave your post. That, that's not what we're, we're not talking about 
necessarily Bo this morning, and he's a hero or a traitor, but, but listen to what was said about him last month in his trial, which where he pleaded guilty to desertion. He faces some steep penalties. Listen to what he said regarding his abandonment. He said, I understand that leaving was against the law. Okay, Bo, you're a smart guy. He, he told the judge, but he said, he said, I believed they would notice me missing. I, again, you're a smart guy. He said, but... I didn't believe they would have reason to search for just one small private. A senior army official who interviewed Bergdahl during this whole process said this about Bergdahl in the trial. He said he was, he was unrealistically idealistic in his understanding of the functions of the military. He was simply broken by the realities of war. And so on that day, in June 2009, Bo Bergdahl just left. Dropped his stuff, dropped his gear, dropped his job, dropped everything, disillusioned, and just left. You ever feel that way sometimes? Like you just want to drop everything and just rock away and just run away? It's like a country song, right? Like, you know, you ever feel like you just want to just drop it all and just, just go get your car and, and, and just let the dust of you, uh, behind you and just, just go? I mean, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your job, maybe whatever, you just say, I've just had enough sometimes. And I just, I just want to go and, and just get out and, and just leave. I just want to punt. Just say, forget about it. And how about when it comes to following Christ? Because if in a moment of honesty this morning, I would say that probably a lot of us today would say, I felt that way when it comes to following Jesus too. I just said, man, I just, it's just too hard. It's just too difficult. There's just too much here, too much there. I, I just want to punt the ball and start over and say, forget it. I'm going in a new direction. Disillusioned. See, that's the place that this church finds themselves, the, the Hebrew church finds themselves in this moment. You have to understand the context to fully understand what this passage today that we are focusing on is talking about. And it's important for us to consider because following Christ as Christ called us to follow him is not an easy cultural con condition or thing, is it, nowadays? It's just not. The truth of the matter is this, is that, that Jesus, there's probably no more misunderstood, no more misaligned, no more whatever person or figure in history outside of Jesus today in our culture, right? People think, most people think they know who he was. They think he was a great man, he was a great teacher, He's like a, a guru, you know, that sat around with long hair and, and, and he was you know, Birkenstocks, you heard me say before, he's this great hippie guy with great hair and he just sat there and he just taught people and was just nice and, and loved people and would never ever challenge you on, on anything. And, and if you say that he was different than that, then you are a bigot or you are a religious weirdo or whatever it might be. And so there's this mentality, this idea in our culture today that is redefining who Jesus was. Because the truth is, Jesus was a radical, wasn't he? He was a radical. 
In our culture nowadays, we say, well, if you need help, if you just, you're struggling, look inside yourself and find the answer, right? Jesus would not have said that, okay? I'm just being honest with you. He would not have said, look inside yourself and, and find the answer. He didn't say those kind of things. To be honest with you, when it came down to finding yourself, what did he say? He said, if you want to find yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Man, if that isn't countercultural, Right? Our culture tells you, again, look inside yourself. You have the answer. You know, there's, there's the song by Whitney Houston. I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was the old song just talking about, you know, the children of the future, you know, and that kind of stuff. It sounds so great and so, such a great ideal. But the reality is our culture is broken, isn't it? And our culture needs people who thought and think like Jesus to step into the culture and cause a change and cause a stir. Amen. We need people like that who don't think of, you know, just politically or not politically or whatever else, who think and walk and act like Jesus. This world needs people like that. But the reality is, if you're going to live like Jesus called you to live, you are going to possibly be streaming up, be swimming upstream, right? And I say that tongue-in-cheek because you know what I'm talking about. Not always easy to live like Christ called us to live. Sometimes it causes us to have to be in places or be in a spot where we are at odds with our culture. There are certain things being taught in our world nowadays. And I'm not, it's not what this is about today, but there are things being taught and thought and, and spoken and said that are just flat out wrong. And to believe the way Christ called us to live will cause us to have to swim upstream at times. And the world needs people who think like that in love, right? Again, I, I, I don't want to get off of my course right here, but the word in love is really important. But in love doesn't just mean that, oh, whatever you say and whatever you do, whatever, you want to, whatever sin you want to embrace, that's fine. Because I just believe in loving and I'm not going to challenge on anything. That's not the kind of Jesus that we serve and we follow. See, he's been reimagined. But it doesn't have to be that way. The scriptures are clear on who he was and what he calls us to and the kind of life that he calls us to. The scriptures are clear on that. And the scriptures are, are big on those ideas, but we have to be led by the word, not led by our feelings at times, right? But that can be hard. And that's why Hebrews is such a blessing, because again, the writer of Hebrews understands the problem that is before those that are listening to this for the first time. You've got problems. You are being tempted to leave. Many of you are. So your first thing you need is you need a revelation of Jesus, not as the nice little meek hippie, but as this soon and coming powerful, wonderful king who reigns supremely and on high. That's the first few chapters of Hebrews, right? You need that. You need to understand that and see that. Because if you have problems, that's the first place that you look. And you need to focus on that, that. Because if you don't, as we learned, you'll drift. And when you drift, you can drift off into a place where you are no longer fulfilling the call God's placed upon your life. God made you, God formed you, God created you with a purpose and a plan to, be, to, to, to bear and to show his glory. And he plans you and he prepares you like that. 
But sin came into the picture and made God's perfect plan for us a restricted area that we can't get to beside, outside of Jesus Christ. Which is why he, he came as the pioneer of our salvation to blaze a trail through all of that garbage. And, then if, and the promise is, if we will follow him through those things, that there is victory on the other side of this, of this, this journey. Now, again, there, it's sometimes hard in the middle, right? Like when you're in the forest and you're working through it and you're walking through it, it's not always easy. That's the nature of faith. We trust Jesus through this process. We trust him to finish this course well, to finish well. And that's where we walk to this morning because, he, because sin brings us shame, but Jesus came to break that mold upon our lives. If you love that this morning, man, say amen this morning because, that's he, because he is good. So I've taken Hebrews and our, really our series so far and summed it up to this point this morning. Read it with me if you will. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and this is important, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death, period. Man, that's good news this morning. i got to pause there for a second. Because fear will ruin you, right? Fear will destroy you. But what's, what's in context here and what's powerful about this here is you have to understand what's, what's taking place in the moment as this is written. This is not just plain old fear over death. This is just plain old, you know, you might be this morning fearful of your death. You might be, you know, that you'd be normal, right? No one wants to die quite yet. I got things to do, right? Well, maybe you are, but whatever. You know, but, but you know, we have things to do. I don't want to die yet. But see, when this talks about this right here, in a lot of ways he's talking about the life Christ has called you and I to live. The life where he says, if you want to follow me, you have to lay down your life. You have to take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. See, I wonder if our problem sometimes comes back to the fact that we are not dead men and women walking when it comes to following Christ. That we have too much of the world, too much of our own ambitions and our own ways that are leading us and guiding us, and that has brought us to a place of, of abject, strong fear, and we are brought to a place of ineffectiveness. And thus, because of that ineffectiveness, we are brought to a place where we are fearful over death. And then he continues here. He says, For surely it's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might be, become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Something that you and I can't do. We get this, don't we? We know that we're not perfect. We know we have problems and issues and such. That's not news for any of us, right? So Christ came and did for us that we could not do. And so if you want to punt this morning, you want to give up, you want to walk away because you're disillusioned, this word is for you today because you have a Savior who gets it. Who didn't just step into the world and say, I'm the man you know, I'm, I'm here, and I'm the king, and bow to my feet, and bow to my knees, and I'm going to rule, I'm going to do these things. He didn't do that. 
He stepped into the world as one of us. And as the scriptures tell us, suffered under the, under the, the power of, of, of temptation, but yet he did not fail, period. Now, this, is, I'm gonna, this, is, this is free today, but if someone tells you that he did, that Jesus was not perfect, so he sinned, man, look at them and turn around and walk away because that's not True. The power of Christ, the power of this moment is because he was able to do what you and I cannot do. And that is under the power of temptation, remain perfect and bought for us the life that he now talks about here this morning. Because it says in verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Again, the word here is you're being tempted this morning, tempted to walk away, and the idea here is don't. You're better than that. See, the next verse right here gives us understanding. It says that the writer gives us two very helpful strategies to beat this kind of temptation. Now, again, this works for all temptation. It really does. Like, these strategies are not just, like, specific to this, but the temptation we're talking about today is to punt to give up, to walk away because you're disillusioned over your walk with Christ or your faith or whatever. That's the temptation we're talking about today. Jesus understood that. The writer of Hebrews understood that. He spoke this right here. And then verse 30, verse 3, 1, he says, Therefore, because of all these things before, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. See, there's two strategies here. The first one comes, and it might be kind of hard to see, but this is what it is. It says, you need to remember who you are. When I was a kid, my mom used to pray a prayer with me and my brothers that almost every day. It's a prayer that I now pray with my daughters as they go off to school, and This is what it is. I can tell you by heart because I do it every day. I say, Lord Jesus, Lord, help Michaela, help help Emmy, help them remember who they are, remember whose they are, that they would be the light in the darkness to everyone they come in contact with today. Help them be the light in the darkness to everyone they come in contact with today. Today. You see, knowing who you are is foundational to how you combat temptation. Here's a truth today I want you to hear. It says this, your battle, you will battle temptation only within the parameters of your identity. Let me illustrate this morning. Back when I was a newly minted youth pastor, uh, I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was an old man, I was 20 years old, no, I, was, I bought that actually, and I was, I was a young, uh, young youth pastor, and, and I, I had kids that we brought to youth convention back then, it was in Minneapolis, or in Bloomington actually, and we brought them up to the Mall of America one day, and uh, we brought for a youth convention, and we brought these kids up there, and I had quite a few kids that had gotten saved, and frankly were hooligans, they just were, and so uh, this is the day of, of big star jackets, right, like back in, you know, the 90s when, you know, people had these big jackets, there were all kinds of spots, and there were spaces there, and if you have hooligans and large 
starter jackets, you are in trouble as a youth pastor, right? And so I brought these kids up there, and I'm in the Mall of America, and I heard what I never want to hear over the loudspeaker, and it was, Steve Royalty, come to the security office. Now, you never want to hear that, especially when you're a youth pastor, and you have kids there, okay? You just don't want to hear that. And so I might hear my name, and, and I, I didn't know what the security office was. And, and so I, I found it, and I, I was walking down there. It's kind of back in this back hallway. And, and I walked down, and I opened the door to this office, and there is this girl in her big starter jacket, and she is sobbing. She's sobbing. See, the truth is, this girl had gotten saved about six months before. She came out of just an absolutely terrible environment. She had a dad who she didn't know who was in prison for stealing. He's got all kinds of problems. And, and so this girl was just, she had some issues. And she's sobbing and she's crying and she is fearful because she doesn't know what I'm going to do to her. That's the truth. And she thought I was being angry, upset with her. And I kind of was, to be honest with you. But so I said, what happened? And so the, 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 the security guard said, well, she was caught stealing. And, and we, we, she was caught and we told her to open her coat up and her coat was just lined with stuff that she had in her coat, and, and she had all this stuff, and so she is busted. We had to, so we took her back down here, and, and we're going to turn her over to you. You need to take her out right now and deal with it. And there's all this precaution stuff I don't want to talk about, but anyway, I convinced them, because I can talk. I convinced them to let her just go, and, and, and let's deal with this and, and, as adults, and, and let me, let me take her to the store manager and ask his forgiveness and then pay for everything she just stole. Now, here's a deal. This girl had enough money to pay for everything she stole. She really did. And, and so she, I, I, said, I said, sweetie, I'm not going to tell her name, but sweetie, why did you do this? You had enough money. You had enough to do this. Why did you do this? Why did you steal when you had enough? What happened? And she looks at me, and she called me P-Sips, which meant, I guess they love me, whatever. But she called me, and she said, P-Sips, I'm a thief. And that's what I do. I will never forget that conversation, when I said, sweetie, you're not a thief anymore. She said, but my dad is in jail, my mom. She said, you don't know my past. I said, sweetie, six months ago, your past changed. Your past was made different. You're a different person nowadays. But because she saw herself as a thief, because she saw herself like this, she actually convinced, or confessed that she had stolen all kinds of stuff. She stole stuff from our church. She stole stuff from me. She stole stuff from stores. I mean, it just, she was a thief. And she had a hard time believing that because she saw herself like that. Here's the truth this morning, church. If your identity is anything outside of Christ, it's idolatry. See, in her life, her identity was found in her, who she was as a thief. And so you could talk about her salvation. You could talk about what God did in her heart, what God did in her life. But frankly, it all went to pot the minute that she was challenged to not steal anymore because that's who she felt she was. And this works in a lot of areas. If your idol is that you want to be nice and you want people to like you, then if that's your thing and that's your idol, then, you're, then, then you, uh, you combating temptation will only work until it threatens that. And then when it comes to that, you'll stop. If it's sexuality, you're, 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 you'll try to be a good person and try to make things right until it comes to threaten that thing. 
And it works with money, with food, with wealth, with status, with comfort and such. It's all the same. And that's why this is so important to note. It says here, he says, holy brothers and sisters. Now remember, these are people that are about to abandon their faith. To people that are about to walk away. This writer under the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, holy brothers and sisters. Now you know what that word holy means? The Greek word for holy here is, is hagios. And hagios has two primary meanings. And we may think we know what this word means, but we may not really know what this word means. And so there's, there's two, two things. The first one is worthy of worship. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not that smart, but I know that these people are not worthy of worship, okay? So it's probably not that one. So the next one is that to be set apart. To be set apart. Now, this one is interesting. And a crude illustration of what it means to be set apart like this is you're gonna about to experience this this week. You're going to go to grandma's house or mom's house or whatever, and you're going to walk into that house, and she'll have the box out. And maybe she'll be shining them up. She'll be shining up her special silverware and the plates and the napkins and all the things that, that when you're a kid, you can't touch, right? You know, my mom had this box of silverware. It was like the, you know, it was like, it was like lockdown, you know, and it was, you know, it was like the CIA case, you know, because you don't touch that when you're a kid. And so, but you can touch those things when there's, company coming over, right? You pull out that special, shiny, beautiful fork, and you pull out all that stuff because it is set apart for a purpose. In, in some ways, you could say it's a holy spoon or a holy fork. It's been set apart. You see, that's the ideal right here in this passage. You have been set apart, brothers and sisters, so act like it. You've been set apart. You are his. You are set apart. You are different. And this world needs difference. Right? The scriptures tell us in John chapter 6, it says, No man can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Pastor Joe today, or maybe Pastor Tyler spoke about this a little bit this morning, and the idea that we try to work, we try to work, we try to earn, and we try to do all these things for God, but the truth of the matter is this, you can't even come to him unless he first reaches out to you. You see, you have been chosen, you have been pulled in, now it's your choice if you would like to reject that or to not reject that, but you can't do this by yourself. You are here. You are a believer because God has called you, because God has challenged you, because God has pulled you into his family. You are a family member. You are set apart. And look at the next passage here. It says, set apart people who share in the heavenly calling. Don't you think the enemy wants nothing more than to make you set apart person, make you believe that you don't have what it takes, to make you think that you're not that, to make you think that you don't have a calling? Don't you think the enemy would love you to think, no, I don't. I don't have anything. I'm just a thief. I'm just an addict. I'm just this. I'm just that. But I'm here to tell you today that under the authority of the word, you're not those things if you have been bought by with Christ. So if you're here today, you're tempted to throw in the towel. You're tempted to punt because you just had enough. Stop. Remember whose you are. Now, I believe with all my heart that you can get to a place in your walk with Christ where he has 
called you and he has called you and he has called you and you've continued to respond, no, 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 no. And you can walk away from those things. You can walk away from what God, is, God has for you. But he will walk away from him with his, with his tears in his eyes. He's called you. He loves you. You have been set apart. You are a holy spoon. No, you are, you are a holy fork. No, this morning you've been set apart and you share in a heavenly calling this morning. Ephesians 2 calls you a, a trophy of grace. Did you know that? You're a trophy of his grace. This morning, that, that's the first one. You have to remember who you are. Number two, you have to consi- consistently consider Jesus. Margaret Thatcher, who's the former prime minister of, of Britain, said these words. She said, what you think, you become. That's good advice, isn't it? That's, that's good advice today. But she continues that advice where she says, because thoughts become words, Words become actions, actions become habits, habits become character, and character builds destiny. This morning, it matters what you put your mind to, what you think about, because thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, habits become character, and character becomes destiny. You see, today, church, this is not the power of positive thinking. Don't think that, although it would be if the, if the end result was not who and what it is. Because if the end result is you just have to be a better you, a better person, a better this or a better that, then yes, all this is is the power of positive thinking. But you and I both know the truth to that, to that, that puzzle, don't we? That we can't do this by ourselves. That at the end of this positive thinking, at the end of this focus, what that focus is what the scripture says here, and it's Jesus, that's he alone has the power to change us not the power of positive thinking. It's the power of Christ occupying our minds on a consistent basis. My question for you today, church, is this. What occupies your mind? It's an important thing to consider this morning because this is a big deal, and, and it's not my opinion. That's what's so cool about this is I could give my opinion all day, all day long, but it doesn't matter. My opinion is just my opinion. But what occupies your mind this morning is a consistent, a clear challenge to us this morning to, to be able to win this life and win this race. Because it's hard to do that in our world, isn't it? As the worship team comes up to begin to start playing real quietly behind me, focus is a hard thing. And the reason why focus is a hard thing is because we have given, we have given permission to little things like this to distract us constantly, right? It's funny, I was preparing this message. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. Before that, I was, I was praying over this message. And, and I was praying, I think it was last Tuesday or something like that. I was just spending some time with the Lord and, or whatever it was. And, and I was... I was bringing some scripture on my, my phone, and up comes this notification from SportsCenter that said, Paul Molitor wins AL Manager of the Year, right? Whoop-de-doo! You know, I'm, I'm spending time with the creator of the universe, and it was so important in my life that I have to know that Paul Molitor is AL Manager of the Year, right? 
And then, you know, and then I'm, I'm preparing this message at, at Caribou, which you'd think would be full of distractions. not for me because I'm crazy. But anyway, so I'm doing this, this message and preparing this message, and I'm typing it out, and I had these little notifications that come up on my computer, and it said, Steve, you have 80,000 bonus miles to use this week. And I thought, all right, no, I didn't. I just constant, constant, constant distractions in our lives, right? There's constantly things telling me and communicating to me and showing me that, that I am more powerful, I am more, I am more alluring, I am more important of your consideration and your time and your thoughts than the most holy one of all time and creation. See, why Hebrews gives us the picture that it does is because he focuses our minds in what's right and what's true. But here's the, here's the deal this morning. I'm always one step away from a lifestyle decision that moves me away from considering Jesus. You think, well, isn't this just natural? I'm a Christian. I think about God way more than anybody else does. The question doesn't come more than anybody else does. The question comes, what occupies your mind? Again, it's not, it's not, not, not normal or it's not possible oftentimes to be a, a, a nun or, or, a, or you know, whatever. You, you sit in some, some castle somewhere and just say, all I'm going to do for 24 hours a day is just going to think about Jesus, right? That, that's not, that's not, not realistic. But, but here's the deal. You can imagine if I had a, had a compass this morning and I was dragging the compass through a minefield full of magnets all day long. Well, that compass is going to spin and spin and spin and going to go all kinds of places because it's, it's trying to find its true north, right? It's trying to find this place where to go. Give you some direction. Your life, you are constantly being dragged through a minefield of magnets, of things that are speaking and saying, I'm more important, I'm more valuable, I'm more this, I'm more that. Your, your culture is full of things like this. And you're a compass being dragged through this, but you have to come back to the place where you allow yourself to be reoriented back to true north. See, Christ is our true north, church. It is only by him being directed and understanding that he is, he is the true north. He is the spot which everything else around me just depends on that. My understanding of life and things depend on my orientation of him being the true north. But if our lives are so full of distraction and moving and such, we're never going to be able to find our true north and we'll never be able to find the direction God's called us to be. Is it any wonder why some of us want to punt and give up. You have company because you're a lot like the Hebrews were. And so the, Hebrew, so the, the author here gives us a good start. Where he says, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Okay, I'll be frank with you today. I could spend a whole day on just that. I won't. Don't worry. We're almost done this morning. Because he tells us right here, he says he understands that we may have a hard time with focus like this. So he gives us a good start. If you would stand across this room this morning, he gives us a good start. He says, he says your, your Savior, Jesus, is two things. He is the apostle. 
An apostle means, what, what, what the word apostle is, it's, it's, a, it's one who is sent on a mission to start something. That's what an apostle does. That's what an apostle is. He's one who's sent on a mission to start something. Paul was an apostle. There's apostles throughout Scripture who are sent to start something. This word says Jesus is your apostle and your high priest. Because in Old Testament Israel, the high priest was the go-between between man and God. Again, I can't get into this because it's too good. It's too much here. But in a relationship ruined by sin, you may feel sometimes like you are far from God. God, where are you? I just want to punt. I've just had so much. Lord, I'm tired. My, my needle is everywhere today. Lord, I don't know where to go. You see, that's why you need us to, to stop and to reorient and find true north. And that's why this morning you might be ready to punt because you haven't done that. Well, set apart one. Holy spoon. Now, set apart one. Holy one this morning. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget that God sent his son, this one, to come to this world to die on the cross for your sin. Don't forget that. Don't forget he is there to start something in your life. And don't forget he's the high priest. You see, because sin ruins God's glorious plan for how it was supposed to be. Sin ruined that. But Jesus came to change that, that, whole, that whole ideal. He came to change that. It was a restricted area. It's not anymore because of our apostle and our high priest. Close your eyes. Let your mind run with that for a week. <laughs> Jesus. Hmm. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, I don't think we fully grasp this morning the breadth and the depth of what you've done for us. And Lord, I don't know that we're supposed to grasp all of it today because, Lord, I, I think that this is a lifelong thing where we are being pulled and, and, and dragged through a minefield of magnets and a minefield of ideals and things that cause our, 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 our compass to spin. But Jesus, let us never forget, Lord, the beauty of coming back to you and finding our true north. Because, Lord, we find you as our true north, everything else makes sense. And we don't do that, Lord, we miss it. And Lord, there are some here today that are long-time believers who are feeling this, who are saying, I'm disenfranchised, I'm disillusioned, I'm dis-whatever. And, and, and they found themselves having to admit today that they have been so distracted and so full of this and so forgetting what you've done that they just want to give in. And Jesus, I pray today that this word, that this Bible verse, that Lord is, Lord is, is, is heavy with truth, would help them to remind themselves and see that they can always come back. And there may be those here today that would say, ah, Pastor Steve, I'm new to this, or I'm whatever I might be today, and I'm just struggling this morning, and I'm not having a hard time. Listen to me. Listen to what the Word says. If you are a believer, you've given your heart to Christ. He calls you a set-apart one. You are holy. You are different. And that's good. 
So there's no wonder why you're struggling. Come to him. Understand, if you will fix your mind, you will consider him. He will show you how what he is starting in your life. He will show you what he's doing in you. And he will, he will, he will be that one that if you're feeling far and distant, he'll be there. That's what the word says he does. You need to be driven by the truth of the word, not how you feel. I'd like to have the, the, some prayer warriors come forward this morning. There is no shame today to respond to this message at the altar this morning. There's no shame in that. To be honest with you, this last week I found myself at the altar because I deal with these things consistently. Because I, like you, am a compass that is being dragged through all kinds of minefields of confusion. And I need to find my true north. And only when I find him is when I can find my direction this morning. If you come and you say, I'm past that, then I'm telling you what this morning, listen to me. We are, all, we are always one lifestyle decision away from stopping this. You need help this morning. Because I'm going to open the altars here in a moment. And I want to encourage you for the next minute or two. You have to take a long time. But just come and, 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 and take your compass out and, and stop dragging it through all the stuff and the things and find a, a new spot, find a different piece of real estate and say, Lord, I am fixing my mind on you today. And I'm going to remember whose I am. I'm going to remember who you are. I'm yours and you are mine. And Lord, I'm going to fix my mind on you this morning. Jesus, minister today.